0: Welcome to The Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature.
1: I think it is crucial how we see Eve. She was, in theory, in this particular story, the first woman, the mother of life. And although she is a character in a parable, we know myths rule our existence, determine the walls of the stories we live in, and the barriers of the ones we would like to construct. They become the architecture of our actions and lives. It's all alive. It's all connected. It's all intelligent. It's all
0: relatives. We stand at the threshold of a historic opportunity in the human experiment to reimagine how to live on Earth in ways that honor the web of life, each other, and future generations. It's a revolution from the heart of nature and the human heart. In this series, The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature, we celebrate social and scientific innovators with breakthrough solutions for restoring people and planet, creating a future environment of hope. Shakespeare famously asked, What's in a name? As the creation story of Judeo-Christian beliefs, the biblical recounting of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, has long had profound influence around the world. So what's it like to be named Eve? In this program, world-renowned playwright and activist Eve Ensler explores her own personal journey into her namesake. The provocative author of The Vagina Monologues and founder of V-Day to End Violence Against Women suggests there's another story beneath the traditional story. For her, it's both very personal and very political. This is Ecstatic Revolt, the new mythos of Eve. My name is Neil Harvey. I'll be your host. Welcome to The Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature.
1: So let me go back to Eve, first woman. Adam, serpent, apple, garden, God. I take you back there because that's where this story begins.
0: Life is what happens when you're making other plans, as John Lennon said. That's what happened to Eve Ensler when she spoke at the 2014 Bioneers Conference. She scrapped the talk she had planned to give because, in the process of preparing, of dreaming and thinking and reflecting, something magical and unexpected happened. She says she wasn't sure whether to characterize it as a memory or a revelation, or perhaps it was a series of intermingling events that catalyzed a vision about something she's been struggling to understand most of her life. Whatever it was, a vision came roaring through with raw, unvarnished passion and power. She sees the process as a contribution to the new mythos, viewing Eve as an archetypal figure rather than a religious one. It's from that archetypal perspective that Eve Ensler spoke at the Bioneers conference.
1: I have been obsessed with Eve my whole life. First of all, it was my name, and to be honest, for a six-year-old, it seemed ridiculously impossible to be named Eve. She was not only responsible for the downfall of paradise, expulsion, sin, shame but death itself. (laughs) Names like myths determine a lot. In a deep sense, I belong to that story of Adam and Eve. It was like a tectonic plate at the bedrock of my consciousness engendering how I saw myself and how I behaved in the world. And I believe consciously or unconsciously that story has shaped a great deal of humanity. How many of us feel we are quote, fallen women, people, our inherent credibility or value erased upon birth? How many of us are controlled by the debilitating terror that any form of disobedience or independence will lead to social exclusion and damnation? How many of us feel cursed for our curiosity, forbidden to know what we know, living amidst a culture constantly manifesting a pathological and patronizing distrust and disdain for our instincts, Delegitimizing our intuition or belittling anything that might lead to a deeper, more embodied intelligence. The myth of Eve has served as eternal warning, electric fence around our psyches, zapping our impulses to revolt or question. I don't know about you, but the serpent has figured highly in my life in the form of sex, drugs, rock and roll. I think many of us have constantly been ingesting things that are stand-ins for apples, but always with a sense of being wrong. Our life force or hunger to be our erotic impulses have been distorted through this cellular shame and distrust. Although this dominant story seems to rule our conscious life, if we stop and listen, we know there has always been another story gnawing at our collective subconscious. Another idea of the archetypal mythic
0: Eve. Eve Ensler points out that according to the Bible, God says to Adam and Eve, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of knowledge, of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. Some scholars have asserted that the mythological apple is a symbolic substitution for a mushroom. The hallucinogenic Amanita muscaria, which resembles an apple with its bright red flesh speckled with white dots, one illustration of Adam and Eve from the thirteenth century does indeed picture the tree of knowledge as such a mushroom, with the serpent wrapped around it.
1: The serpent, who was Eve's deeper inner knowing, said, "Eat the red fruit, and you will not die." And by the way, they didn't. God lied. The serpent said, your eyes will be open, and I believe their eyes were opened. And the apple, or the mushroom, corrected them, connected them directly to the divinity of the earth without the intermedia of God the Father. So Eve ate the apple and came into her full, independent, erotic self and heart. And what did she do next? She generously, generously offered this transformation to Adam, because that's what women do. And immediately, punishment, shame, guilt, oppression descended upon them. They were expelled, and they have been wandering inside us and outside us trying to remember ever since. Eve, who knew paradise didn't need to be carried in on a white horse or descend in an illumined cloud because in fact, paradise was already here. And our project, rather than waiting for paradise to be delivered, was instead to develop the capacity and vision to recognize and appreciate the paradise already here. Not constructed on hierarchy and competition and domination and greed, but on connection and mutual cooperation. The paradise that grew from the earth herself, our mother, delivering everything humans needed and beyond anything they could have dreamed. And God said, Adam and Eve, you will have dominion over the earth. Subdue her and multiply. Eve knew in her body memory that this was the greatest misconception and violation and would send the story of the world exactly where it has gone, to dominate and occupy and subdue our mother, our earth, who was not only feeding us, but who was in fact us. That this separation from her, lacerated by the brutal, power-hungry, conceptual machete of those who turned Satan into the devil, even to the initiator of original sin and the earth herself into a mad, devouring, and terrifying demon who had to be tamed and controlled. This separation that exiled us from the inherent, life-sustaining umbilicus of our green mother left us hungry and searching to return to her body, our bodies. The hunger which has made us vulnerable to tyranny more concerned with acceptance and approval than resisting ongoing violations and atrocities committed on humanity and the earth. That hunger that has led to dramatic and contemporary addictions, drugs, food, shopping, sex, all overcompensating for the desperation to be one with nature and in turn ourselves. The separation that was enacted and enforced by violence on our bodies because, as Eve knew, it is in our bodies where the memory lives. The only way to forget was to force us out of our bodies. To rape them, to beat them, to torture them, to bully them, to threaten them, and then to commit the same heinous acts on our Mother Earth while forcing us what felt to be like helpless spectators of this holy destruction. And after, in our horror, we not only fled our own bodies, but the violated and stigmatized body of the mother, and in her place, we turned in our desperation and terror for protection and sustenance to the perpetrators themselves.
0: Eve Ensler observes that Eve didn't ask God or Adam for permission. She knew she risked disapproval. Ensler says archetypal Eve must have instinctively known that her legacy, legitimacy, and name could be ruined and she would be expelled from the garden. But Ensler says that didn't stop her. Eve was our original whistleblower.
1: Eve knew it was a mirage. She craved the real garden, the original garden, before the Father God implanted his hierarchy and the violence and threat of punishment needed to sustain it. Eve ate the apple because, like many of us, she was trying to remember the other story. The story before the trauma of brainwashing and massacres. The story before they shoved things into our sacred holes and cut the tips of our clitorises, where divinity lives. Before they shaved our furry nests and choked the throat of our songs, before they called us hysterical and intense and emotional, before they beat boys for crying and wanting to wear dresses, before they stoned us for uttering the words of our mothers and drilled down into us to rob us of our moist and fertile secrets. Before Eve was made to believe she was taken from a rib. Before she was forced to be obedient. Before she stopped dancing as and in the undulations of stars and moon. Before she stopped dancing. Before she buried her powers to heal with touch and see the future and blend with land. Before she knew how to pleasure herself over and over and over forever. And men knew they were there to serve that pleasure because as she was pleasured, they and the world were pleasured over and over and over forever. Before she was embarrassed by joy, before she apologized for her heart and stopped respecting the size of its brain, before she disqualified her opinions and apologized for her insatiable curiosity, before childbirth became punishment, and love and service to a man became mandatory, before she swallowed her rage and choked her voice, before men established God the Father at the top, before there was a top, before the earth was treated as the wretched wild, before when it was life generating life in all directions. Eve ate the apple because the trajectory of her hunger was our way back and the apple was the fruit of memory, the medicine of recall, the aphrodisiac of original connection. Eve ate the apple to regain her powers, to know what she knew before she got held hostage in the wrong garden. I think Eve already knew the higher good. I think she had the knowledge just like us in her body. She just needed to get out of that system, stop tiptoeing around that punishing and oppressive garden in order to get enough distance from the terror and trauma of the father state corporate machine, get around like-minded people, get enough confidence and support to remember the first story. And that's what we're doing here.
0: when we return, Eve Ensler looks at how this different way of seeing the story is blowing the whistle on violence against women and girls all over the world. This is Ecstatic Revolt, the new mythos of Eve. I'm Neil Harvey. You're listening to The Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. To explore all available Bioneers radio shows and video programming, please visit Bioneers.org. And our thanks for the generous support from listeners like you. Eve Ensler suggests Eve ate the apple to regain her powers, to know what she knew before she got held hostage in the wrong garden. As a revolutionary, she was exiled from the garden because she dared to eat the apple of the tree of knowledge.
1: Eve was cast out as she opened the door to the deeper knowing. And all of us must be okay outside our father's garden, outside his house, outside the world of disembodied intelligence. We must all now be visionary nomads, exiled from the hierarchy and ready to find each other and create the new world, which is really just remembering the world from which we came. So how do we remember? What will jigger the flashbacks, images, sensations? First, we must unashamedly, openly eat the apple. This involves ingesting all that catalyzes and provokes vision and imagination. It means educating ourselves and looking deeper into the stories and myths designed and sustained by the powers that be. Reintroducing ritual, poetry, Time, human connection, plant medicines, opening the box, learning the data, touching the mystical, coming out of denial, coming into our bodies through touch, dance, lots of sex, trusting what we know, not asking permission, defying authority. It means honoring and protecting our whistleblowers, our indigenous who blew the whistle on the myth of Columbus and changed Columbus Day to Indigenous Peoples Day. and Edward Snowden, who are the truly great people of this time who blew the whistle on the NSA. Our brothers and sisters in Ferguson, who blew the whistle on police brutality and racism. These are our eves. These are our whistleblowers. It means trusting our methods of remembering.
0: Eve Ensler is no stranger to controversy. Her play, The Vagina Monologues, celebrated women's sexuality and brought taboos out of the shadows. It's now been performed in a majority of the world's nations. She launched V-Day as a global Valentine's Day event to end violence against women and girls. In 2014, more than 3,600 V-Day events took place in over 1,200 locations around the globe. The movement has raised over $100 million to protect and support women in many of the world's most dangerous places. Today, one in three women will be beaten or raped in their lifetime. That's a billion women. That led Ensler to create One Billion Rising in 2013. It's a global call to women survivors of violence and those who love them to gather safely outside places where they are entitled to justice, courthouses, Police stations, government offices, schools, workplaces, places of worship, or simply public gathering places where women deserve to feel safe, but too often do not. One Billion Rising put the call out to women and men to dance to end violence against women. Dance?
1: I want to talk about the power of dancing, the power of What happens to a woman's body which has been traumatized by the state or domestic violence? Bodies collectively releasing, expanding, joining and resistance. Dancing, women and men, it got them to reclaim and re-energize public space, which had been absolutely something they were exiled from. It spun and it splashed creative and compassionate and determined energy in every direction. It made violence against women a front page issue. It allowed for autonomy and local organizing and global solidarity all at the same time. It evoked demands for justice across a swath of intersectional issues, understanding that violence towards women cannot be separated from all the other violences, whether they be economic, environmental, racial, or gender. We are in the same story. It added joy to the ingredients of our resistance, And by doing so, it added sexuality, and it evoked the mystical and intangible, producing what seemed like miracles.
0: One billion rising lived up to its ambitious name. One billion people in 207 countries participated.
1: In Zimbabwe, the one billion rising and the dancing freed many women for prisons who had been held there for killing their perpetrators. It inspired men throughout the Congo to write a declaration of solidarity to end violence against women and girls across the world. And then they followed up with the national gathering that I got to attend, which was one of the most beautiful events I've ever seen, men coming from across Congo to stand up for women and girls and to redefine masculinity. It's now collaborating One Billion Rising with restaurant workers in this country fighting to end substandard pay, which directly licenses the highest level of sexual harassment in any industry.
0: From Africa to the U.S., to construction workers in Peru who turned every construction site into a sexual harassment-free zone, to 100,000 rickshaw drivers in India who now have a button on their rickshaws that says, my religion is respecting women. Dancing became a transformative way to reclaim public space and change the story on the ground.
1: Dancing broke taboos and compelled women. Women danced at factories, in front of corporations, in churches. But mainly it allowed women and men to come back into their bodies to reclaim public space so they, like Eve, could begin to remember the world we know inside us that we manifest outside us. It escalated ecstatic revolt. Eve was a radical and why I love that word radical as it means going to the roots. This is the time for radical change. This is the time to come into our bodies and dance and drum and rise. This is the time to stop apologizing for our belief that it is possible to live in a world where everyone gets fed, taken care of, where we leave the rest of the oil in the ground, where those who do the hardest work are honored and paid the most, where we take our direction and inspiration from the most marginalized and invisible, where we trust our imaginations that once lined up in the direction of life will begin to create rapid and astounding solutions, where we transform human suffering not by more incarceration, punishment, and degradation, but investigation into root causes. Where we stop celebrating and becoming passive participants to celebrity, royalty, famous, money, fame as our models, but instead honor and highlight those who humbly and without resources transform and lift their communities. Where we trust the mystical, where we trust the mystical, the emotional and erotic as much as we trust the intellectual and political and understand that their integration is not only the catalyst for a revolution, but it may, in fact, be the revolution itself. Yeah. Where we come to know, and I say this from the deepest sense, that humility is the path to revolution, and service is the only song. In the end, it's about people, respect, love, cherishing, valuing life and our Mother Earth. We are Eve's children. Eve, revolutionary. Eve who ate the apple that unearthed the first garden under the imposed and constructed garden. Eve who ate the apple as her hunger for truth was our actual path and now we must fulfill her legacy. And remember, the tree of life the offering of apples or mushrooms was there inside the patriarchal garden. It has always been within us. Eve, mother of our freedom, ate the apple to liberate us into the world, our world. This is our time. Eat the apple, not the GMO kind. Share it with your Adam share it with Asali, with your beloved, and remember, revolution!
0: playwright and activist Eve Ensler, Ecstatic Revolt, The New Mythos of Eve. You can see and hear more from Eve Ensler or explore more Bioneers radio shows and video programming online at Bioneers.org. For information on attending the National Bioneers Conference and Bioneers events in your area, please visit Bioneers.org or call 1-877-Bioneer. The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature is a production of Bioneers and Collective Heritage Institute. Executive Producer, Kenny Ausubel. Written by Kenny Ausubel. Senior Producer, Neil Harvey. Managing Producer, Stephanie Welch. Station Relations, Anna Iglesias. Our theme music is taken from the album Journey Between by Baca Beyond and used by permission of Hannibal Records, a Rikodisc label. Additional music was made available by New Earth Records at newearthrecords.com. For more music information, please visit bioneers.org. 15